Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. Hope you guys had a wonderful weekend. You guys are in for a very real treat today. I know I've mentioned before about creative ways to invest in real estate, but this one is definitely for the books. Check it out. Hey, Freedom Fighters, welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast, the only place where military members, veterans, and their families learn how to build wealth through real estate investing. I'm your host, Mike Foster, and I'm here to show you how to stop wasting your benefits. Now get off your ass, step up to the firing line, and make ready for today's lesson. Shooter, stand by. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. I'm super excited. I've got Gene Garino here from Residential Assisted Living. He is an amazing entrepreneur, and he's got an awesome way to turn a real estate investment into a business and also be able to manage it while he travels. What's going on, Gene? How are you doing? I'm doing great, and thanks for inviting me on. I'm so excited to be here because of what you do uh, for all the veterans out there, and it's great. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It's it's an honor to uh, to be able to interview awesome folks like, such as yourself, and uh, and I love real estate investing, and I know our listeners, you know, are, are do as well. And so it's it's cool to really hear about all the different ways that you can do it. And you have a very creative way, uh, it seems. I mean, just from talking to you for a little bit. But um, before we get into it, where are you now? I think I see <laughs> an awesome little background there. You're in the hotel. Yeah. I'm in a small hacienda in Mexico. Uh, my wife's getting some uh, some dental work done. I came here three years ago to get stuff done, and it's a great place if you're looking for medical tourism, Los Algodones. And it's uh, right across the border from Yuma, great place to come if you need some dental work. It's a heck of a lot cheaper, and you can walk right in and get an appointment without uh, without skipping a beat. So I love it. Wow. Okay. That's impressive. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, Mexico for dental work. I definitely wouldn't imagine that, but I'm going to take a note because uh, maybe I can help my grandmother, you know, that's awesome. <laughs> all yeah. right. All right. All right. Well, guys, if you're looking at my getting some mental, uh, some dental work done, Mexico is the place <laughs> to do it. Um, awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got started investing? You bet. When I was a, a youngster in my teens, I was actually a professional musician. So we had a recording studio and a music school and a small record label. And that was when I was 18 years old. And uh, we were tenants. We had a landlord and we rented the property for two years from when I was 16 to 18. And my brother, who was my partner at the time, was two years older. But at the end of two years, we said, this place is horrible. The place we were at, it was not as nice as this hacienda I'm staying at here. And we just said, we're either going to shut this whole business down or we've got to find a new place. Looked up the street, saw a for sale sign, and that was the beginning of my real estate investing career. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'll just share that briefly because for some of you listening, this you may be thinking about getting into real estate for your first time and you're wondering, do I have the credit? Do I have the money? I was 18. I had no credit, no money, nothing at all other than we had to get a new place. So we saw the first sale sign, grabbed it, went to the realtor and said, you know, how much is it? What does it need? What's it going to take? And we went to banks. They turned us down. Bank after bank turned us down because oh, we had no money, no credit. We're teenagers. And... Uh, then we found somebody who was a mentor to us and 
He was a neighbor across the street. My father was a college professor, but he was the only person we knew that had his own business. And we asked him, his name was Pete, Pete, can you teach us how to buy real estate? And he did. So the first property was no money down because we had no money. And the last property I did was no money down because now I've learned how to use other people's money. So whether you have money or credit, doesn't matter. You can definitely do it. That is awesome. Absolutely amazing. That's definitely something we do, you know, preach to, to these guys because a lot of times, right, there's that anxiety to say, well, I'm starting out, I'm young or whatever age you are, right? But you don't have the capital necessary. It just takes a little bit of creativity. And it sounds like you guys were able to do that and leverage the experience of someone else to help you out too, right? Which is good. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is awesome, man. Wow. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about how that investment went? Sure. It went great. We bought the property for $28,500. And keep in mind that was 1979. So those were, prices were different back then. Okay. But you know, it may as well have been a million dollars because I didn't have it. It really didn't matter. So we bought that for no money down. Over the course of the next number five years, I think we put about 15000 into renovating the house. So we were in it for less than 50 and then we sold it for 147000 So Net net, we made about ninety thousand from that first deal, uh, and then we segued into along the way after the very first one. We bought a fix and flip, bought it for twenty, sold it for forty, and then we bought other properties. First commercial real estate was the age of twenty five. Uh, bought an old decrepit building that most people would have knocked over. We bought it for twenty seven thousand, put ninety thousand into it, and then sold it for three hundred. So that was another great payday. Wow. Uh, okay. But it's the same kind of thing today. Nothing is different today. Actually, one thing is massively different: interest rates. When I first got started, Mike, interest rates prime rate hit twenty one point five percent. What? Yes, twenty one percent. That's crazy. Yeah, a home mortgage was sixteen percent. If you could qualify, sixteen percent. So I laugh when people tell me, "Oh, interest rates are going up. It's too late. I can't get in." No, you're crazy. You know, five six percent interest is Cheap money. Absolutely. Right, right. Wow. And that's, I mean, I know I heard that mortgage rates used to be a lot higher back then, but I didn't know it ever reached into the 20s. I always thought it was the low teens. That's impressive. Oh, man. So, wow. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, uh, I mean, I know that mortgage rates have been going up, you know, a little bit now. Now they're higher than they've been in the last decade. But um, I honestly hope they don't get that high. Let's let's hope they don't get that eye. That's yeah. crazy. Well, actually, the good news is from a bigger perspective, because I, I travel all over the world, but bigger perspective, we really can't. The U.S. really can't raise interest rates too much higher because we, the U.S., is the biggest debtor. Uh, if they raise interest rates, they have to pay more interest, which will really drive our deficit through the roof. Uh, so you're going to see low interest rates for a long, long time, but don't let a quarter percent, a half a percent, dissuade you from getting started absolutely not right right okay well then there we go <laughs> awesome <laughs> appreciate that and uh, that's that's actually a little bit comforting that's good, <laughs> good. but um awesome uh so can you tell us about how you started getting into the residential assisted living or as a matter of fact maybe just a start by explaining what that is because sure i don't think, sure. I don't think a lot of people like me have never really heard of that well, you mentioned, you know, it's your grandma in Florida. Is that right? Correct. 
So in Florida, this is relatively, quote unquote, common. Arizona, where I am, that's where I live. I'm in Mexico now, but relatively common, meaning there's about 3,000 of these homes, single family homes that have been converted for this assisted living. So let me kind of define what that is. Residential, it's a home in a neighborhood, not a hotel, not an apartment building, not a big box facility like a Brookdale or Sunrise. It's just a house. The house itself, little bit of conversion, and we can talk about that to make it senior safe. But the big thing is it's not just a rental property. You're actually providing a service. You're taking care of those seniors 24-7. So it's not medical. It's not doctors and nurses and gurneys. It's a home. But the 24-7 care is to take care of what's called ADLs, activities of daily living. Some seniors, as they get older, need help with medication management, food, housekeeping, bathing, incontinence. It depends. Some will need a little bit of help. Some need a lot of help. But nobody moves into assisted living unless they need to. It's not a vacation spot. Right, right. Wow, that makes sense. Okay. So you're converting the house into this uh, care facility essentially for seniors, but it's you're saying it's not as big as a corporation. So, are we talking minor tweaks like um, accessible tubs and toilets and stuff? Or, yeah, that's it. Normally, we take a bigger than normal house, so it's not a three bedroom, two bath house, it might be five bedrooms and it might have three or four baths in it to start with. Then, from there, we might convert some of the space into bedrooms. Uh, We might add bathrooms. You don't have to have a bathroom in every bedroom, but the more bathrooms you have, private bathrooms, you can charge more for it. Uh, So the tweaks are are definitely uh, safety. So grab bars by the toilets and the sinks, smoke detectors, maybe in your area it's required for sprinklers or fire suppression, wider doors. Instead of a 30-inch door, it might be 36-inch door, but not a commercial 42-inch door. Uh, smooth floors, you typically get rid of the carpet, put in tile or linoleum or hardwood, easier to clean, easier to maintain. It's not a trip hazard. But the, the house itself is the part. And I want everybody to hear me say that up front, that you know everybody loves real estate because you can find something, fix it up, sell it, make money, or you can buy it and rent it out and make 100 or $200 a month. But that's the easy part, the real estate. The real part of this that makes the most money is that care when you're charging somebody four and $5,000 a month and you have 10 people living in that home, that 40 or 50,000 monthly gross income is very large. Then you have expenses, but you can net about 15, um, well, 30% is the high end. 20 to 30% of that gross income is what is your net profit at the end after all expenses, including the caregivers and real estate, taking care of the residents in every way. Wow. That's impressive. Okay. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my head around that, but I mean, 10 people though, in a, in a, um, in like a five bedroom home though, that, that's kind of, that's a lot, right? Would you think? Would well, you think? let me, I'm going to give you the state rules and we're jumping right into it. If you're good with it, you, yeah, you'd ask that's the question how I got started in it, but we're, I'll get to that later if you want. Okay. But, no, no worries. Yeah. So each state uh, has its own requirements, but typically In most states around the country, Florida, Arizona, most states in the country, there's a certain minimum requirement. And that minimum requirement is a really low bar. And what that might look like is if you had an 1,800-square-foot house, you could have 10 seniors in there legally. Now, I don't want you to do that. That's not what my students do that I teach all over the country how to do this. Our rule of thumb is 300 square feet of 
living space per resident is very comfortable. So if you had a 3,000 square foot house, 10 people, it sounds like a lot, but it's really not. Uh, you could have two people in a bedroom. Some states allow more. We only do two people or private rooms is even better, converting space into the bedrooms. The state minimum for a private room is typically 100 square feet, so 10 by 10, which is kind of a small child's bedroom, not a large bedroom. Uh, if you want to have two people in the room, you need typically a minimum of 160 square feet, so 10 by 16 or 12 by 15, something like that. So it's not a really large bedroom, but the bulk of their time isn't in the bedroom. They're in the family room, the living room, the dining area, the kitchen. Uh, but a 3,000-square-foot house is more than adequate for 10 people. And in a lot of states, there's actually no limit to the number of seniors you can have in the home. Uh, some states, like Arizona, limit it to 10. Texas limits it to 16. Florida actually has no limit. So there's homes like this that have 20 people in it. Um, once you get above a certain number, it gets a little bit crowded or a little bit less personal, right. uh, but you can't go too small. I don't want to encourage anybody to do a five or six bed home either because that you really can't make money with, uh, doing it the way I do it. 10, 12 is a great number. 15 or 16 is a fantastic number. Okay. Wow. Interesting. So, uh, and so you mentioned about the, I know we're, we're kind of getting right into it, but I guess might as well, yeah. I mean, it, it, you mentioned about the, um, the care assistant. Is that person on site? So do you need a space for them to stay as well? Or is that a person that you just hire to come daily, I guess, to, to check up on the seniors? Yeah, so the key is that it's 24-7 care. And whether you do shift work where it's 8 or 12 hours and somebody replaces them, or you do what's called a live-in model where somebody stays at the house with those seniors, either way, you got 24-hour care. Now, currently, I primarily do shift work. So the caregiver comes for 12 hours, then they're replaced by somebody on the night shift, and I don't do live-in. And the reason for that is not that it's better or worse or good or bad as much as it is. It's a hard job being a caregiver. And I think it's important for them to go home, clear their head, get a rest. Many of them have their own families too. They've got to go home and see their kids and so on. Right. Uh, the right. Caregivers, yeah. The caregivers themselves have certain qualifications they have to meet. In some States, it's very minimal. Florida, it's actually very, very minimal. It could be 18 years old, a GED, and four hours of training in the first 30 days. That's very minimal, and that's not really a great thing. In yeah. Arizona, it's almost stringent. It's 104 hours just to become a caregiver, background test, TB test, fingerprint card, and then to become a manager of the home, it's another 40 hours of training and two years of experience before you can be a manager. So every state's a little different, uh, but – that's not the part that I play. I manage the manager. So that's what we teach people, how to find the right property in the right area, the right renovations to do, what you need to do, what you could do, what you should do, and then how to find the manager. They're now going to find the caregivers. They're going to fill the house, and that's when the cash flow starts. Outstanding. That is impressive. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I absolutely agree with you. I think that the requirements for – you know, caring for the elderly need to be a little bit more stringent, you know, because I mean, I can't imagine, right, wanting to put my grandmother in a place where, you know, someone is just gonna come and say, oh, yeah, well, I'll watch <laughs> your grandmother and then be on their phone all day, right? You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's crazy. But, um, but okay, well, that's awesome. Though. That's really, it's really interesting. So what, 
if you don't mind me asking, what are some of the challenges that you face then, uh, you know, with this process? I mean, because I'm sure it won't be easy at all. So the biggest challenge, and I love the way you asked that, is people. And when I say people, it means the caregiver, the manager, the residents, their family, and their expectations. Real estate's easy because you can just scrape it away, repair it, and, and you're done. But the biggest challenge is people. And people always ask this question. They say, you know, how easy is it to find caregivers? How easy is it to keep caregivers? And that's a legitimate question and very important. Uh, the reality is we've had, I've been operating these homes for six years now, and some of them we've had almost since day one. So they've been with us for years. And a part of that is that when you treat people right, with respect, you give them, they're a team member, not an employee. Right. It changes things. And there's different ways to compensate people. One is monetarily, and the other one is just emotionally or respect and understanding that these are real people with real needs and desires. So if you treat them right, they'll stay with you because of that. They're not just mercenaries who, if you gave me an extra 50 cents an hour, I'll jump to the other home. Uh, so we do. We love our caregivers. I love my manager very much so. And because uh, she really takes care of everything for me and makes my life easy, lets me travel and do different things. Uh, but those are some of the biggest challenges. Okay. Wow. Yeah. No, and that makes so much sense. You know, I mean, with the, I'm sure with the different personalities, like you're saying, I mean, you're dealing with a bunch of different people. So finding the right uh, folks there, but I'm sure having someone that you trust who is managing all that for you so you can travel. It's great. That's awesome. Um, wow. And then, right. And then that actually makes sense too, because that's what incorporate incorporate. Uh, I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but incorporates the business side right. of that aspect too. So it's not just the real estate investment, but you're also growing your business. Yeah. You know, when you think about it, Mike, you're there, you're at your at uh, a relative's house, right? So you're at grandma's house, they're coming to see you. But if you wanted to get help for, for mom or grandma, the most important thing for you isn't how nice is the paint on the wall, it's who's taking care of mom. Right. So that that is the real key to this whole business. Right. That's absolutely true. Uh, that's amazing. Okay. And so for the properties, um, because I'm sure there's always maintenance and upkeep, right? How do you, um, is there a system that you place, you know, for that is, is it like maybe every 10 years or five years or whatever? And then we're having to relocate the seniors while the stuff is getting done. I mean, how, how does that work? Well, you know, I, and I just got to say, man, you're asking really great questions. I love the fact that you said, what's the biggest challenge? The next thing you said, you're talking about systems mm -hmm. and anything you do and anybody who's listening, systems are so important. You all know that instinctively, but it really is important. So we have systems for everything. And the renovation of the property, one of the cool things about this from just a real estate perspective is it's fairly low maintenance because the residents are not trashing the house. They're not raising Rottweilers in the back bedroom. They're not dicing Harley Davidson's in the dining room. That's so true. Uh, yeah, the biggest damage is grandma leans back one too many times, puts a hole in the sheetrock. It's not a big deal. So you have your normal things like plumbing, electric, uh, screens, and AC, and the normal things you'd have. But we have a handy person that uh, there's always a list going of all the things they can fix when they stop by the house. My manager has a whole list of the contractors to call for plumbing, electric, this, this, and this. So she can just call them directly and take care of issues. Uh, from a maintenance standpoint, it's just a matter of keeping it up. I 
I haven't gotten to the point where it's like, you know what? The house is getting a little tired. Let me revamp the whole house. We, right. You really don't need to do that for decades. So start nice, keep it nice, and you'll be fine. Start nice, keep it nice, and you'll be fine. That's awesome. All right. I like it. I like it. So as far as location, right, um, because we are talking about you know seniors, and at some point they'll need a trip to the hospital or, or – uh, maybe your local pharmacy. So the best location to do something like this, I'm assuming, is near a hospital, right? Or near a pharmacy, or does that really matter? You know, it's great that you asked that, but most people think I need to be near a hospital. But here's the reality. If you're on one side of the street and somebody needs to go to the hospital and it's on the other side of the street, they're still going to send an ambulance one way or the other. So whether you're a mile away or 10 miles away, it doesn't really matter. And most places where all of us live, we're within a few miles of some kind of medical facility. So don't right. think it near a hospital. Bigger and more importantly is the demographics. So convenience. We want to be nearby, easy to get to. So if, you, if I were looking at a map, I'd say, where are the highways? Is it easy to get to this location? Mm. Second thing is, are there a lot of people that live around? I'm in Arizona. Uh, that's where I live. I'm in Mexico now. But in, in Arizona, there's some areas that are very densely populated, and then there's others that are on the outskirts of town and then drive another 30 miles and you're way out in the middle of nowhere with nobody. That's not, you definitely don't want to do it there. You want right. to be with more people. The next question demographically is what kind of people? So I'm going to give you two parameters, age. And I heard this one recently, so I can't take full credit for it, but I think it works perfectly. The 10-10 rule. You want to have at least 10% of the population within 10 miles of you age 85 and above. So 85 and above, 85 is kind of like the middle, the, the age of people being in assisted living, some younger, some older, but 85, 85 and above means there's at least X number of people to fill your home that are going to need your help. Now, if you live in an area where there's, you know, only a hundred people that live within 10 miles of you, chances are, it's not going to be good. But if there's 50,000 people that live within 10 miles or 500,000 people, absolutely plenty of opportunity there demographically. So that's one. The second one is money. We want to, we focus on private pay, not Medicare, Medicaid, uh, but people who can pay for this out of their own resources. So that means somebody who's not average income or below, but above average income, not the top of the top, but above average income is good. Now I want to mention something specific. I don't usually do this on podcasts, but because you are a vet and you have lots of people that are vets listening potentially, you all have benefits available through the VA and they will pay for some of your long-term care. You could go to a vet specific place or use some of that money to apply towards a place that you choose. So I have no problem with that. If somebody gets 2000 as a veteran's benefit to pay towards the $5,000 it is to stay in our home, they can supplement the rest with their social security, their pension plan, their other assets, or their kids, me, I'm, I'm the kid paying for mom and dad wow. uh, from them. But we focus on the private pay. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Um, and for insurance, right? I mean, how does that play out? I mean, I'm sure you have to have some special type of insurance more than just your regular homeowner's insurance if you're going to have some kind of residential assisted living, right? 
So from that side, and again, I'm not an attorney, so I'm not giving anybody legal advice. Okay, but what I right. do is I have one entity that owns the real estate. That entity should have its own liability insurance for slip and fall, a rental property, because in essence, that's what it is. Right. Then I have another entity that owns and operates the business of the residential assisted living. So this entity leases from this entity, and this entity also has insurance. The operations side has business liability insurance specifically for this industry. So it's not medical malpractice. It's not just general umbrella liability policy. It's very specific business liability insurance for residential assisted living. The cost of that is less than a dollar a day per resident per month. So if you have 10 residents, 30 days, $300 a month is a reasonable number. It's a line item in your budget. And really that's not a big cost when you're passing that on to the residents. Right. No, that's amazing. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah, no, it's, it's really awesome because, um, and it, and it's, and that's kind of why I ask these questions. Cause I know that that'll probably be some uh, folks bigger hurdles um, when it comes to something like that. And, and what about taxes? I mean, I, I, obviously the business, so you get, you get taxed at a different rate, uh, but you also get the perks of, um, of the real estate, right? The depreciation and, and cost segregation and all that. But are there any other tax benefits that you get for taking care of, of uh, um, assisted living? Not necessarily tax benefits for taking care of the elderly. Um, but let me throw out a few things. With these two entities, you can pay yourself, in essence, whatever rent you want. If I pay myself higher rent, I also have depreciation on the real estate side. So I can shelter that income because I have legitimate depreciation on the real estate, even though it's receiving all that income. You can also do accelerated depreciation. So you get this bonus depreciation in the first year or two, which is a huge write-off. And that's what people who make a lot of money want to do is write off their income. So there is a benefit there. But when we talk about uh, taking care of the elderly and getting a tax benefit or something, or I'm going to take it a little step further. Some people may be listening, thinking, well, maybe I can get a grant for this kind of money. Mm. The, the thing is, and you guys know this as well as anybody, anytime you do something with the government where they give you something, there's always something that, something you in know, return. that's right. So what they're going to want in return, if, if they provide the money to, to put up your facility, then they say, well, great. We gave you the money. It's a grant. But for the next 10 years, you have to accept low income people living in your home. So that means, yeah, it was $500,000 in a grant, but now you can't make money for the next 10 years. And at the end of 10 years, they forgive the grant, and now you can make money. Well, I don't think most of us are in the business of right. let's break even or even lose money for 10 years, and then we then we start making a bunch of money. Right. No, that makes sense. And it's got to make sense, too, if you're going to start it up. So glad I asked that question. <laughs> but um <laughs> But awesome, though. I mean, I, I really do think that this is a, a very interesting opportunity for for some out there that, that might want to take this on. Um, and that's that's amazing. I mean, is there anything that uh, that I haven't asked that's something maybe that maybe you can offer to folks who, who would be thinking about getting into this? Yeah. And first of all, I want to say thank you again for letting me share this. And there's a lot of questions I'm sure that people are thinking and asking right now. And I'm at the end, I'm going to give you access to a free training that will answer a lot of those questions for you. Right. And then I was, th- I was thinking about this when we were talking at the beginning. You know, your show is focused on vets. Not that everybody who is listening is one, but I'm going to do something special that I've never, ever done before. I'm going to have to text the office and tell them, though, before I do it. <laughs> oh, thank you. 
You'll have it. The show won't come out for a bit. You'll have it in the show notes too, but I'm going to offer a, a special additional discount for, uh, for events. And I'll give you a special code word for that. Never done that before, but this is the perfect place to do something like that. So the questions that you have are all over the board. I'm sure like real estate questions. What do I do? And then the business, how do I hire? What about liability? What about how do I fill the home? How do I hire? Got it. There's a lot of questions that free introductory training will answer a lot of that for you. Right. But big picture, I'm, I'm just going to share this from this perspective that you're going to get good at something. You're going to be working hard at doing something and get good at it. There's a book a long time ago that basically said it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert in anything. So 2,000 hours a year, 40 hours a week, 50 weeks, 2,000 a year, that's five years. So if you were to spend five years working on something to become an expert, the question is, what are you going to be an expert on? Because you can do anything. So what is it? Now, the next thing I want to point out is you got to be thinking not what's going on today, but where is everything going? And when mm. I use the term the silver tsunami, the silver tsunami of seniors, this is unstoppable, the aging of all of us. Every one of us is a little older right now than we were when we started listening to the show. And it's unstoppable. Right now, there's 77, actually about 78 million when you add people who have moved into the country who are 65 and above. There's 77 million baby boomers in our country today. There's about 10,000 people every day turning 65, but more importantly, 4,000 a day are turning 85. That's your key demographic. That's the fastest growing demographic in the world. That's 120,000 people in the U.S. alone that are turning 85 every month, 1.4 million this year. And hundreds of thousands of them are going to need assisted living. There's a crisis. Wow. And on um, a crisis is opportunity. And as an entrepreneur, that's what I say is that's opportunity. It. So when you now mix that with where are things going, Wayne Gretzky, the hockey player, is always asked why he's so good. And he says, it's easy. I go to where the puck is going, not where it's been. So we're not talking about short sales and REOs and what worked five or ten years ago. What we're talking about is this is good now. Seniors are here today, and there's more and more and more people aging, and this silver tsunami is coming. This is going to be good for the next 20 years. So if you're looking for the best place to be in real estate and business for the next 20 years, assisted living is it. And my final comment on that is I guarantee that everybody who's listening is going to get involved in this one way or the other. You're either going to own the real estate or the business, or you or a family member is going to be lying in a bed. You're going to be writing a check to somebody else who does. Wow, man. That is impressive. That is impressive, but it's so true. You know, Um, I think that the philosophy behind moving to where the puck is going is absolutely important. And for those that have the opportunity and the capacity to do it, this is great. And this is a great opportunity to learn. Um, Wow, Gene, thank you so much. I really do appreciate the, um, the wisdom uh, shared on this and, and for the code, right? For the- yeah, I'm going to give you, let me, should I give it to you right now and you can put please. it in the show notes? Too? Yeah, yeah, please. Absolutely. I'm right. All right. So two things I'm going to give you. One is a quick, easy website for the free introductory training. It's www.ral101. So R-A-L, Residential Assisted Living, just three letters, R-A-L-101.com. When you go there, it's a free introductory training. Uh, Use it. It'll answer a ton of questions. You can call us after the fact. 
Then I'm going to throw this one out. And this is where I got to let the team know or else they're going to crucify me later. But <laughs> for anybody who decides uh, after they do that, that we do a boot camp, a three-day training. It's a live training. We do it in Phoenix, Arizona. If your event, and I'll let you decide who that is. I don't, it doesn't have to be active. It could be inactive and it, it could be any. But the point is, if you're a vet, you're listening to this show, there's a real simple code we're going to use, VET, V-E-T. And if you do that, we're not going to tell anybody else this, by the way. It's just for you and your listeners, Mike, so you know that. All right. If you appreciate that, it. My team will know what that will do is that'll, that'll give a $500 discount off of the live training. Wow. Uh, that way, at least it helps a little bit uh, for that. So VET, V-E-T, 500 discount on the live training itself. Uh, that's what I can do to help you, and I appreciate everything that you guys have done and you ladies have done for me and for my family and everybody else. Thank you. Wow, Gene. Thank you so much for that. And guys, that is absolutely valuable, uh, all on top of the value you've already provided on this podcast. So definitely take advantage of that. That's impressive. And thank you so awesome. much. I will definitely make sure that's in the show notes and you guys can go take, uh, take advantage of that. But, um, wow. All right, Gene, thank you so much again for your time. Uh, I got to take you through our bonus round if that's okay. I've got three final questions for you. All I'm right. ready. All right. I have no idea what they are, but I'm ready. All right. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> this is good. Putting you in the spot. But this is just so our listeners can get to know a little bit more about you as well. So uh, what is your favorite book? And it doesn't have to be real estate related. It can be personal or anything. You know, one of the books that I read recently, and this is kind of just off the topic, just a recent book, Jonathan Goldsmith, the most interesting man in the world, wrote a book called Stay Interesting. Stay interesting. Okay. And the reason why I, I like it, it, not only is it something I read recently, and he's a fascinating guy, uh, and I've gotten to know him pretty well, but it's a book about short stories of his interesting life. And I'm, I'm all about short stories. Give me something easy that I can read, and it's a book full of them. Nice. All right. Cool. I like that. There'll be a link to that in the show notes page as well. All right. Uh, second question, who is your favorite hero? Or who's your biggest hero? Why? Wow. These are big questions, man. I know, man. right? I know, right? You know, a little philosophical there. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go weird on you just because it's, uh, you know, that question could go so many ways, Come right? From personal life to all kinds mm -hmm. of things. But I, I was thinking about this because my brother George used to do a, a cable TV show that I was the host of 30-something years ago. And uh, we, would we would interview lots of different people. But one of the guys that I, I really respect a lot. His name is Denny Zalisco, and he's in Phoenix, Arizona. He's a concert promoter. And the reason why I like that is because Phoenix was not on the map X number of decades ago, but he's responsible for bringing in all kinds of really cool musical acts. So some of the best acts I've ever seen are, are because Danny, uh, Danny Zalisco. Never met the guy. He's one of the few guys that's like, I want to meet this guy sometime. That is so cool that you've done done this for me and for everybody else. So right. off the cuff. There it is. There it is. All right. I love it. I love it. That's cool. All right. Last question. Um, and this might be a little bit easier, but if you had three nuggets of wisdom to get uh, to give to those who are looking to get started in investing, what would it be? To get started in investing. Uh, good. Uh, not in any specific order, but number one, do something that you're passionate about. Don't just invest because it's a good deal or you think you can make a bunch of money, but you have an interest in it, passion about it. And that's a good rule just in general in life. Do what you're passionate about. You'll be the best at it. People will love you for it and want to go to you. 
So passion, invest in something you, you know something about, want to know something about, you're passionate about. Number two, kind of a close second is do something, invest in something where it's not just about the money. Uh, too many times, the older I get, uh, my birthday's coming up on Saturday, in case anybody wants to send me a gift. All no, right, <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> but the older I get, the more I realize it ain't about the money. It's not about the stuff. It's not about any of that. It's relationships. It's, it's yes. your family. It's what are you leaving behind? What's your legacy? And then, because uh, there's so many things I could share, a third topic or a third piece would be, you asked me for investment advice, getting started in real estate. Uh, but I'm going to throw it a little differently. You're making me do it different, man. I like it. Make All right. Think. <laughs> One of the best investments I have ever made in my life is family vacations. Hmm. And I'm saying that because it has nothing to do with real estate. It has nothing to do with investing money. I give money and I get money. Plus it's investing in what's real, your family and those family times, whether it be with your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, uh, but that's the best money you will ever, ever invest. Wow. All right. All right. Investing in making memories. I like, I like that. That's, that is awesome. And I really do appreciate that. Very, very unique spin. And, um, and that's, that's a ton of value. So thank you again so much, Gene. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for the gift. Um, and uh, please, you know, stay on after this. I would like to, we'd like to send you one as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a little something that we do, but, uh, but thanks again for, uh, for your time. And, um, is there anything else that, that you want to say? Or as a matter of fact, how can our listeners get in contact with you? I know you already mentioned rel101.com, but, um, yeah, uh, come to our website. We have so much in the way of free resources there, ralacademy.com. And we also have a whole network uh, called alnetwork.com, assistedlivingnetwork.com. Uh, great information there, Q&A, uh, recorded messages, and so on. That's our media side. And then REL Academy is the training side. So come visit. Love to have a conversation with you. Awesome. All right. Make sure you guys go check it out. All right. Take care, Gene. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Thanks so much again for listening. Hope you guys are doing great out there and that you're getting started in investing, whether it's education, whether it's networking, or you're finally ready to take action. All right. You guys should be moving forward here. We're almost halfway into February. Make sure that you guys are not sitting by and letting your financial future slip. All right. Love the fact that you guys are out there on our Facebook group, on our Start the Spark forum, posting your questions, getting involved, seeing some folks take some small action. And I love it. I love it. All right, guys. If you guys are ready and you need help, www.activedutypassiveincome.com. Take advantage of our program, our Real Estate Investing Academy, that we've tailored just for you to make sure that you get what you need to succeed. All right, guys, I'm out of here. Bye.